Welcome to the Nerd Tutorial Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials about nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today is myself, your nerdy tutor, and with me today, Kambanwa. Kambanwa. My mom. And so we are still talking about Japan. We spent the last two weeks gushing over what we did in Japan. Where we went? Because we had such a, an amazing time in Japan, and I still talk about it to this day. I, I don't know oh, what I'll stop. Oh, I'll be stop. talking about it for... for for uh, years to come. Oh, I'm still using my Starbucks uh, Mount Fuji mug. Oh, good. What about the um, other one for that you got in uh, Tokyo? Yeah, both of them. Both They're in a rotation. Cool. Yeah. Um, I got to show off my our IC cards here earlier today to a friend. Oh, very good. So, so that's actually going to be our topic here today is that um, we did a lot of research before going to Japan about stuff we needed to know. And um, we wanted to share some of that thoughts with you as far as what we thought about, go, what we thought we would do going into it, what we, our advice versus our experience of what we actually experienced, and then um, some of the tools and tips and tricks that we found while in Japan. And I'm, the first one I want to start off with is a Wi-Fi router. The Wi-Fi router saved our lives. And multiple occasions now. Um, obviously, if you go to Japan, you can, you're going to need the internet. We use the internet for everything. I don't know a day in which we didn't use it. No, and and actually, I mean, it helped us find things that we didn't even know we were looking for, or stuff that we wanted to do at that point as yeah. well. Yeah, um, I found it exceptionally useful because most of the traveling that we did throughout the entire time was just using Google Maps, and Google Maps has an amazing element to it where um, it'll tell you what trains to get on and off at the train stations, how far to walk. Like if you get off at this station, the, you got to walk. The stop number. The, uh, the, the stop number not didn't always, always give okay. you, not okay. all the time. But um, at the very end, it also told you how much it costs to do that. Yeah. Now, for us, like we didn't really care about the cost at the end of the day because um, we had a mixture of both using the JR passes and the regular just everyday pa- uh, IC, IC cards. cards yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about that here in just a second. Um, but again, I found that thing just amazingly useful at all times. Well, talk talk about the cost of it. So for us, what I did here is you can. There's multiple websites and multiple different vendors for this. Actually, you go online ahead of time and you make arrangements to. Um, you can have it shipped to your hotel in some cases. Now I picked up ours at the airport because I just wanted to have it, and we were. It was ease of access to get it to the airport without any additional well, fees. Well, it's a luggage claim. I mean, how much easier could that be? Oh yeah, no, totally. Um, so you get it ahead of time. Now, I got us the unlimited version. I got us an unlimited plan. It was about 900 yen a day. So it ran us about $130 over the course of the trip. Um, but it breaks down to, to to $9 a day. About $9 a day, which when you think about it is not that bad. You'd pay that amount in roaming charges $9 a day, easily. Yeah. Um, but even then, I was very frugal with it. I think we only ever used maybe like 7 to 8 gigs over the course of those multiple days. But I was also very concerned about having it charged and fully powered. Now I had like a power brick with me just in case, but I was always just, oh, if we don't need it right now because we're hiking through Nara, what are we going to look up in Nara? We didn't use it. Yeah, turn it off. um, But I mostly used it for maps and Google Translate, which I found another great app to use on the phone. Um, And and, and Google Translate, you know, came in useful a number of times because we were able to ask people questions um, because English isn't that widely spoken. It's not widely spoken, no. Um, I think that the thing is that a lot of people, um, and this is the expre- impression I got too, is that if you if, if you just went with nouns and verbs and you weren't like very intric- intricate with the syntax, they understood. They, they would understand because like obviously us learning Japanese, we had a big problem with the syntax. 
Right, but uh, you know the 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 um, and we did learn enough to be able to be polite. Mm-hmm. We could be polite. That was about all. We, we were. We, we were. I mean, that, yeah. at worst, that's as that's as much as I want from anybody when they travel from another country. Like I can work, remember going to Disney, working nearby Disneyland. You get a lot of people who travel who don't speak a lick of English and are not shy about not having spoken a lick of English. Well, but I, I want to emphasize it's not like going to Europe where really, if you're in a situation. Most people in Europe do speak English. pretty decent English. Yeah. yeah, no. In Japan, we've, we we rarely found a lot of people that spoke fluent fluent English. Or yeah. in a lot of cases, we were just lucky to get by with people who spoke just enough English as much to, as we to spoke. Get us, just, to get us there, yeah. yeah. To help us out, yeah. So, um, But no, yeah, again, I think the, again, the Google app thing there was really great because um, the translation app, because you could actually, when, when it is connected to the Wi-Fi, um, you can talk into it and it'll, you can have a conversation with it, with another person. Um, you can speak into it and it'll say, and it will say what you want to say, or at least present a picture on it. In a lot of cases, I just downloaded the character map, the, the dictionary for it. So I could type in whatever I wanted when the internet wasn't on and just show it to somebody who would just show whatever it was written on there. And it was pretty big. So that way I could just hold my phone up and so it'd be, ah, Okay. Yeah, so, so that was it. really useful. Um, so let's talk about trains, cars, and automobiles in Japan. Getting around, we didn't. We weren't in a car, not once. No, um, a couple buses. We were in a couple buses here, um, and even the usefulness of the bus really varied on where you were. Yeah, like some, yeah. like when we were in Mount Fuji, like it had maybe the one bus route, and that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, but by comparison, when we were in like Kyoto. That bus was awesome. We yeah, used it buses, quite. Yeah, and and I would have I would have if I'd known better, not done the on and off bus and just done a combination of the bus lines because the bus lines took you to all the sites you wanted to see. And probably might have been cheaper for us at the end of the day too. It would have. I, I actually figured it out, and yes, it would have been cheaper. Okay, so yeah. Um, so yeah, so like, um, but let's talk about trains in Japan. And now this is one we had a little bit of trouble with in the beginning because we didn't understand the differences at all. So there are two types of Japanese railways in Japan. There is the JR Railway. And which, then there which are, stands for Japan Rail. Which stands for Japan Rail. Now there's a east side and a west side version of that. Mm-hmm. So like, just kind of keep that in mind if you're in like the Tokyo section or like uh, Nagoya and east of Nagoya, that's the east side. If you're west of Nagoya, you're probably on the west side of, of the JR line. So just kind of keep that in mind because there are two different websites for it. Well, and, and, and actually, I, I found a guide when I was ordering the rail passes mm-hmm. that walked you through um, whether you wanted an all-rail pass, an east pass, or a west pass, because you could get less expensive east or west passes. Yeah, so um, what I will say about the JR passes here is that there's the JR passes are like all around Japan, because they're run by a municipal, they're run by the Japanese railway company, which is a private company that runs all over Japan. If you're ever going to ride a bullet train, you're riding a JR train at the end of the day. Um, and you're going to hear a lot of people tell you you should get a JR pass. I would recommend getting a JR pass only if you plan to go to to if you tr- plan to travel around Japan. Right. If you're just going, if you're just going to be in like Osaka for the next week, and you're just going to go like to Kyoto or to Nara or to other places around. Um, 
Osaka, like you're just going to go to Gifu for the day and come back. Like, I don't really think a JR pass will be that helpful to you. And it wouldn't justify the expense. No, but if you're traveling all around Japan, especially in our case, we were doing that over the course of two weeks. It was very, very useful. Yeah, so a lot of the, you know, because there are a lot of local lines that aren't covered by the JR Pass, and, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about those in, in a minute, but, um, you know, the the places where the JR Pass really came in handy, of course, getting to and from the, the airport in Tokyo, mm-hmm. but getting getting from Osaka, um, where we where we landed, to Kyoto, and then from Kyoto to, to Nikita, and then to Mount Fuji, and then... And those were all a JR line, although Mount Fuji was a combination of JR and... Because well, um, it let you off at one station, then you had to take like a local train, train that took yeah. you like an hour to get all the way down there. Yeah. But again, like most JR lines, there's usually about one to two of them in every prefecture. One that might go around it, another one that basically kind of goes through it. Yeah, they tend to do loops. Yeah, like loops are a big deal. So like there might be like a JR loop rail um, that's in combination with the local lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually I found that that was, like, in Osaka's case, that just went around the major Osaka the, heart of the it. Heart, the heart, the of, heart it. of Osaka, It didn't yeah. go, like, to Nara, or it didn't go to... It didn't It didn't really go south at all, which is where we were originally traveling, unless you were going to the airport yeah. um, in Narita... Uh, not Narita, but uh, the Osaka airport. Port, yeah. Um, so, like, if you plan to travel around Japan, a JR Pass is very useful. Now, here's the real thing that nobody told us about how to use the JR Pass. Um, but before that, there are two different versions of the JR Pass, and you can probably speak more to this, Mom. There's the standard one and then the green card. Right. So so when I was um, and locally in San Jose, we have Japantown. So I was actually able, uh, I did some research online, and then I was actually able to make the arrangements for the pass and pay for it. And you might have been able to talk to somebody who could have helped you out there as well. Exactly. Um, in Japantown, which was which was really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a choice between the regular car and mm-hmm. and JR for the the distance trains. This is the Shinjuku and the and uh, the bullet trains, the high speed trains. Yep. Um, require reservations mm-hmm. in the main car, or else you're going to move around a lot. If like even if you had a pass, if you just jumped in on on a train without reservations there may be seats open but you may have to move because they may be reserved at the next stop yep yeah. so you might have to move around a bit and if you um paid extra and the green card was um for a 14-day pass an extra hundred dollars mm-hmm. um but if you paid extra for the green car then those tr- those cars were slightly nicer i mean there wasn't a great like a business class almost. a business class yeah um, there's a little bit more leg room. They, nicer they, bathrooms. Nicer bathrooms. Yeah, so they were a little bit nicer. Nicer luggage storage area, stuff like that. But um, but where the real value was, um, was that the minute you hopped on the green car, um, somebody would help you find a seat and you got to, there were plenty of, plenty, plenty of seats on the green car and you got to, you didn't move. I rarely found anybody sometimes even in the green car. Like it might have just been us and maybe two or three other people. people. Yeah. The only time I ever saw that not being the case was when I think we were on our way to Mount Fuji. There was like another family. There was like another set of elderly couple that were there that were um, traveling along further, but they were just they were there in the car as well. Yeah. And that was probably the most full I've ever seen it before. But basically, it was like being in a business class, a little bit bigger room. Um, nicer space, certainly better bathrooms, and we in green, and we always could reserve. We always had like guarantee guaranteed seats. seats. 
which is why I did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is that if you buy a green car, you're gonna get to sit. Yep. And stay seated. Yeah, you you wouldn't have to worry about Not that. Move. Yeah. If you, if you got the standard passes, now you could go to. Um, you could certainly reserve seats, but you wouldn't always get. But you would have to pay extra for the green car at that point. Yeah. Um, and so. Well, you could reserve seats in this in the standard as well. You could reserve specific seats. If mm-hmm. you didn't reserve, you'd be moving around. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so let's talk about real quickly how you use a JR pass real quickly because that was the that took us a bit. Okay, so when we got to the airport in Osaka, we got the passes. And then we were befuddled on what to do next. We had no and, no understanding of what we were supposed to do next. And I've been told that that you could pick up your pass down by down by luggage, and it wasn't quite that easy. You have to find a kiosk. It's a large office actually, mm-hmm. and you're going to stand in line um, to pick it up. But then once you pick it up, like nobody, when they gave when we got our pass and you have your passport with you, you'll need that. Um, but when we picked up our pass. Nobody explained to us how to use it. Or what to do once we have it. Out of it, yeah. So here's our real simple guide to how to do this. So every JR station and every train station in Japan is going to have an entrance and exit point that leads you to the platform sections. Now, you're going to see there, you see the normal gates. And we'll talk about the gates here when we go to IC cards because that's a really cool little bit here too. Yeah. But every series of gates always has like a gate office there. A little window. That always has a person in there. It has usually a train officer. And sometimes the bigger station will have two or three in there in some cases. Depending on where, depending on the, the which side you're coming from, they're either to the far right or to the far left. They're always off to the side. They're never in the middle. They're always on the sides. Um, except for maybe like the bigger station, like when we were in like JR Osaka was kind of in the middle yeah. almost, but like yeah. it was always, but it was like, it was isolated. So it wasn't in the way of other people. Right. Cause it presumes that you might be asking questions or getting directions or you might need help. You might need help. Yeah. So what and, you do. And, and they spoke English as well. They, they, they speak passable. passable English enough to get by. Yeah. So, because I think they're really kind of understanding that a lot of people would get the JR pass and probably if they were going to have the JR pass, would probably be foreigners. Yeah. So once you get your JR pass, you want to go to a JR station, and you want to get your JR pass stamped. So that's going to start when your pass can be useful used on because you have because once you they're timed they're timed passes, so you can only use them during the span of two weeks. Or, so what, so when you buy your pass, mm-hmm. it doesn't actually take effect until you what you get is a voucher. Yes. So when you buy your pass, you get a voucher. You take that voucher into whatever station you're going to start your pass at, mm-hmm. and you get your pass, and then it has to be stamped. Yes. And once it gets stamped, and that starts your however many days. Yeah. So if in the case you got a week, now once it gets stamped, now you have seven days to use it. In our case, we had two Four, weeks, fourteen yeah, days. So we it was two days at that point. Um, and now every time you want to get on and off the train, you have to go to these little offices. And you basically just kind of like show them your pass. They're going to look at it for like half a second and be like, okay, move along, get on the train, get on the train. They wave wave you through. A lot of times if you just like hold up the pass, they wave you through. Yeah, they would like see the green, they would see our pass and be like, yeah, whatever, go for it. We never once got asked for um, the passports, but I always had had mine in my passport just because I was always anticipating them asking about it. Yeah. Um, And I will say for those JRA passes, um, those who look, those do not look very official at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, that was my only thing is that they like, don't have a photo, which I, when we picked up the passes, I kind of expected them to take a picture and laminate a photo on there. I wasn't so much expecting a photo, but there was nothing on there that was like, 
super like copyright image or anything that made it would would give you the impression that like now it was kind of like laminated on there though it was it had it had sort of a seal on it so maybe a clear you know a clear seal like you'd have on a driver's license sort of yeah. seal um but it's a paper pass it's a bit yeah it's basically a paper pass this looks like something you could have forged if you really wanted to yeah we're not giving anybody any ideas we're just saying we're just more or less speaking on the quality of it right um but oh uh, yeah so jr passes we found super useful like some places we would take a jr line and then get off and then do a regular train line we did them um, in combo quite a bit actually um especially in, in we were in tokyo right um a little bit in osaka kyoto they're all um, using and and we should say they're all using the same stations just different platforms yes so um but that gets us on to local trains here as well so now every area has got a bunch of local trains in there because like we said like in the case of like osaka there's a loop that goes around Osaka, and then there's a JR line that kind of comes in and out of Osaka. Um, it might be going on to the next place, or it might be an end destination. So maybe there's like maybe three lines in in Osaka, but they were all yeah. like coming and going out of Osaka. Right. But what if you wanted to go to Nara, or what if you wanted to go elsewhere? Well, you need to take a local train, and the JR line passes. The JR passes don't work for local trains because they're not owned by the same company. Right. Um, so, very similar. So, if you didn't have a JR pass, you'd have to pay every time you got on and off the train. Which there are little kiosks to do that, yeah. where where you basically can kind of figure out and get a ticket. You could load the ticket with however much, and, and then you kind of load, and keep you, using it. Yes, yeah, so you would just put the slip ticket slip it in, yeah, and then when it ran out of funds, it would just kind of like, yeah. So that takes us to IC cards, which I think are one of the coolest things in Japan, in all honesty. Um, so ICR cards actually come in a variety of different different names. Um, like the one we had was a Silica. Uh, they also have Isica and Passamo, and there was one with like a D. There's actually almost, in total, there's nearly a dozen different variations on it, kind of depending on where you're picking it up from. But they all do the same thing. So, um, in our case, ours was a blue card. When we got to Japan, we kept seeing a green version of it. Mm -hmm. um, there was apparently like a pink version and a purple version and an orange version. Again, I think it depends on where you pick it up from. Yeah, we picked ours up in Osaka. Mm -hmm. And we paid um, 2,000 yen for the, the initial card, which had 1,500 yen loaded on it. And, and I think there's a, a 500 yen sort of fee. For the card, I think. I think the card, the card at the end is like a 500 yen card, but you, you start with 1,500 yen on it. Yeah. Um, and so when you go to the gates, now you'll see a plentiful number of gates here usually, every sort of train station. Yeah. Um, there's a little RFID thing that says IC on it, and you just wave your thing over it. And you'll get a nice noise if you can go through, um, that there's no problem with you going through. And But if they, but if you get like a bad noise, little gates pop up and stop you from, from going through. Yeah. Going through. Because um, that happened to you once before. It did. Uh, and so this is sort of a heads up. Um, we found that the IC card's great to use. But I, at one point, apparently went through a gate. And I kind of knew it. It happened because I, I didn't see it flash the dollar amount left. Because there is a display as you leave the, the gate that, that flashes you the dollar amount left. Yeah. And I didn't see the dollar amount flash. And I thought, oh, that's weird. Um, and then the next time I went to use it, it wouldn't let me. And I had to go back to the station to actually pass it to basically we had to walk. So basically what had happened was is that I don't think it tracked you going into the station. 
um, initially, but it sh- tracks you coming out. Because when you go out, you do the same thing. You pass yeah. it over the thing. Yeah. It then tells you how much your fee was because it'll it charge you based on how far you go, not how long you were on the train. Right. Um, and then it also tells you the remaining balance on the card. So you can kind of keep track of whether you need to reload it or not. Um, in your case, I think what it did is that when you got out of the station, I think it tracked you that you went into that station initially. Um, and so it thought that you your card was still being used over at that station initially. So we had to walk actually through Osaka, through the Osaka terminal to get back to that one station and then back all the way around. And some of the stations are enormous. Oh, these are big places. And we'll, yeah. we'll talk about stations here in just a second, actually, because that in and of itself is a cool little thing here, too. Yeah. Um, but the IC cards are super easy to load up. Uh, they had terminals where you could where you would just see people just loading up the, the cards, with uh, mostly with cash and coins. Never with a credit card. I never saw one with a credit card terminal. That's true. Um, and um, all of them have the option to display in English. So if you don't read Japanese, don't worry. It even talks to you in English, too. <coughs> and they were extremely easy to use. Yeah, you just push the card in. You sell it how much money you oh, want yeah. to put on there. Um, what would you say? that we? I think if we had put like, like 10,000 yen, so about $100 on it, we could have gotten through the entire Japan trip for two weeks. Yeah, so so I mean, I think we started out with 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 the uh, fifteen, and then added thirty, and then another point added fifty, and then another point added another ten. Yeah. Um. So I mean, by the end of the day, a hundred dollars would would have pretty much covered us. Yeah, I think yeah. Except you discovered they could also be used. They could be used in mini marts and at vending machines. machines. So when you go to so which is really kind of awesome. So like if you were at a train station. Uh, some of the machines said IC on it. So you put the card up to it, then you pick your item, you put the card in one more time, it'll tell you how much is left on the card, and then we'll dispense your item there for you, which was really cool. Yeah, it was uh, really cool. And then you can use them also at some of the mini marts. We'll talk about mini marts here in a little bit too, because that's also a cool thing. Yeah. Um, but you can use the IC cards in other places around the station as well. So they're kind of a multifaceted tool. So they're very useful to have, I think. Um, but nothing beats putting coins into the machine. It really was just just all worth it there. Well, but I I love the IC card because you know once you put a decent sum of money on it, you just didn't have to worry about it again for days and days and days. Yeah, we often were not worrying about it until like we got through. And we're like, oh, it's only got like a thousand yen left on it. We should probably reload it now. Yeah. And that's really when we started caring about it. But most of the days we just like, oh yeah, whatever, ding. It would just yeah. move on and with just our kept lives. going. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, super useful. Um, so yeah, why don't we talk about stations? Oh, um, you could you could live in one of those stations just Dep- depending on one of the stations. Now we now I learned here later on that that we went through three of the the largest stations in Japan. Nagoya is the largest station. Kyoto is the second largest, and Shinjuku is the third. So we went through three of the largest Japanese train stations. And Shinjuku, yes, is a very large station. Kyoto is a very big station. Nagoya, we weren't in it all that much, but it's a big station apparently. I hadn't realized that, but it had a wonderful grocery store. That I think the one the grocery in Osaka. store. In, oh, is that in Osaka? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in in the stations, there is everything. Now, mind you, depending on the size of the station, too. So, that, yeah, yeah. So, in the big, I should say, in the bigger stations. You could buy your groceries. I mean, it, it makes sense when you think about it. Oh, it makes perfect sense. So uh, when we got to Osaka the first time, we got off at, I, th- I think we got off basically nearby the JR Osaka 
line exit because that's where the DJR station was at. Right. And then we walked, and then we kind of hopped our way over there. But we basically, while we were in the station, saw mini marts and and now mind you, JR Osaka is a big station too. Yeah. Um, but basically, we later discovered that there's an entire mall of just restaurants and small little shops underneath the road. Yeah, going and, going to the station. So not only do you get to stay dry, mm-hmm. you could get you and you could get breakfast. There was we, you could get kimonos, you could souvenirs, get clothes, get your dry cleaning done. Mm-hmm. Um, there was even a dentist in one of them. And how many times did we see a Starbucks in those stations? Probably oh, like all love the, the Starbucks. Except I got news: the, the, nobody should be making a sweet potato frappuccino. Yeah, we saw some weird flavors, but again, like I, you know what? I would give that a try if I was into coffee. It, mm. mind you, know, to at least once say, yeah, I had a really weird flavored coffee. Really, how weird was it? Sweet potato. Oh, that's true. I've so I missed of, out on my opportunity. Well, there was also a sweet potato ice cream as well, so I don't think we're missing out too much. Yeah, they had taro, but but the taro was pretty good. Yeah, um, but no. So again, depending on the size of your station, they're going to have. Um, a lot of stuff added onto it. Now, as an example, when we were in Tokyo, um, we were at the we often exited and exited at the Minowa station, which was nearby our Ryoken. That didn't have any sort of mini mart or restaurants attached smaller, to it. Yeah. But it almost almost every and every kind of smaller station was kind of like that. Like when we got off at Fujianari, there was not a there was a smaller station, but it yeah. didn't, but it did have a mini mart just right around the corner, and had restaurants on the other corner. So. Those were very easy of access. Yeah. Um, and then when we got to larger stations like um, uh, Shinjuku and uh, Akihabara, those had literally mini marts in the platform section. Like yeah. you could go to a mini yeah. mart thing in the platform section while you were waiting for your train if you wanted. Yeah. Um, and drugstores and. Drugstores. And then uh, if you got to, the bigger the, I think really much the bigger it was, the more things were attached to it. Even even uh, hundred yen stores. Yeah, so it was a Daiso store in one of them. Um, yeah. We got to, um, we were in the JR Osaka. There's literally an Accor hotel there. Yeah. A Swiss hotel, um, and then Kyoto also had a hotel attached to it and um, luxury hotel even. So yeah. the Nagoya. Um, I don't. I, Shinjuku was supposed to have one, but we never saw it. But that yeah. was also a really big station too, with lots yeah, it of was floors. A huge station. Um, and then there's restaurants inside of them as well. Um, the Kyoto one had literally a department store, I think, in it at one yeah. point. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So like the bigger stations, the more stuff that's going to be, going to be in it. And again, my favorite one is still going to be the JR Osaka, where we got off the train and we were really like. I, I think that's a grocery store. And we walked in. Holy shit, this is a full grocery store. That was a nice nice grocery store. uh, Maybe a little bit on like the slightly smaller side of the grocery store as we would consider it here in America. But really... But but no, a fully stocked... High end. High end. You could buy your groceries grocery store. Yeah. Like veggies, deli, like candies, pre-made stuff like... Well, a meat cutter. Yeah, no. Full full service grocery store. Good in, in in the station, station before you even passed out of the platform. So you actually had to pay to get into the station to go grocery shopping and then get out if you wanted to. Yeah. How cool is that? It was. It was the, the stations to me were this wondrous thing. You had you know, not just coffee but choices of brand and and, and some wonderful restaurants and and yeah. the whole nine yards. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Again, like so like 
in our case, because we're traveling a lot of the time, we always ate at restaurants. Right. Because we also wanted kind of the local cuisine and we wanted the local flavor. Go to go by a station. There, there's restaurants near there. We had fantastic breakfast at the station in Nara. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then I think we were um, we were in Nagoya when we had the pasta. That was just a part of a hotel. Yeah. Or an or an office building that was nearby. That was literally attached to attached to a station to, to the Nagoya station. So yeah. like that, just a huge concourse of stuff there too. Yeah. So yeah, no, again, stations, awesome. Yeah. Um. So let's move on to our hotels. Now, yeah. our hotel arrangements here, when I chose the hotels, I chose Ryokens for two different reasons. Primarily because they were the traditional style of hotels that were in Japan. Again, small rooms, shared public bathroom spaces, tatami mat floors. Like I wanted the authentic experience, but they also tend to be on the more cheaper side of yeah. hotels in Japan as well. Um, and so in our cases, that was the predominant factor in choosing what we cho- what I chose throughout our stay. Um, that being said, if there were um, capsule hotels, going back next time, I would choose some capsule hotels along the way, too. We had, yeah, we had a wonderful capsule hotel experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved that they were traditional because, um, I mean, one of the things that makes Japan distinct is it's, it's Western while being Eastern. And... Um, very, it, it's very Eastern with a lot of Japanese flavor, or it's maybe even the yeah. opposite way around too. A lot of yeah. Western with a lot of very Eastern flavor to it. Yeah. So, um, staying in the traditional hotel, sleeping on the the mats and and in the traditional style, seemed really fitting. And I think it actually enhanced for me. I think it actually enhanced the experience. Oh no! I mean, you got to kick out of you got to kick out of the wardrobe all the time. Oh yeah. I I, I love the shared bath because I think it's such a brilliant place to do it. And yeah, you know. All I mean, even from just like a logical standpoint, if you're building a building and you only and you have to put, in, mind you, yeah, you can put toilets on every floor, but they're all centrally located, probably. And if you have all your major water going into the basement, oh, this is much. It's uh, from a construction more, cost. It's it's much more efficient. Oh, absolutely. Um, but it makes sense too. I mean, the the bathroom is the least used room. Mm-hmm. And if it's on uh-huh. the very bottom floor, as most cases it were. It can't rise up and it can't fall down, so it's stuck at the bottom already. Well, and there you're talking about the the public baths. Yeah. 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 No, so yeah, it, no, that, it absolutely made sense. Um, and most of our Ryokans were very nice places, with the exception yeah. of I think, I think Kyoto again was on the maybe the lower end side of that, but we still great location. It was still very good location um, at the end of the day. Um, and even in Tokyo, even though it was, I think, the smallest Ryokin that we were in at, at any given time. I actually really enjoyed that Yeah, that the one. place was awesome. Yeah. We totally do. And again, so again, like, there are Western hotels in Japan. They're plentiful and bountiful throughout the area. Um, but they do also tend to cost a little bit more. Well, and, and, and I can have that experience anywhere. Yeah, and that, and that was my thing, too. Like, I want the authentic experience. I don't want an experience. I want the, the authentic experience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Ryokens I think are a great way to go through there um, if you have to. Um, but speaking of Ryokens and how much they cost, let's talk about the money in Japan. Well, let's talk about first off. Nobody takes your credit card. Yeah. I mean, very few places, department stores, um, very few places took credit cards. Um, so it's a it's a cash based society. Yeah, very very much a cash based sort of society. So my next tip is show up with your money. 
Um, and and I know um, I bank with Bank of America, but I understand it's available with a, a lot of banks um, that you can order online if, if you have your account automated. You can order online foreign currency. And I was able to order online. I could either pay a FedEx fee or I could go pick it up in the branch. And I, I opted to pick it up in the branch because I don't want FedEx delivering money. No, I, I would feel very nervous about that. Too. Yeah. So, um, but um, I got my yen up front. Yeah. Um, and I got my yen while I was there. And at most points, um, I ATMs think- worked. ATMs worked perfectly fine. And while they did kind of show what my balance was in yen and not USD, it was perfectly fine. I, you can do the math, essentially, yeah. you know, yeah. um, which was not an issue at any particular point. So, um, but no, yeah, traveling in Japan, pulled out money and um, very easy to do um, in Japan. Never had a problem with that at all. The very few times that I did, I was able to use a credit card. They tack on the 3% fee. Mm-hmm. So just know, even if you get somebody to take your credit card, you're going to pay the bill plus 3%. Yeah. So um, maybe save it for the bigger purchases or the most expensive purchases if you have to, obviously. Yeah. You don't want to keep racking up those charges all the time. But yeah. uh, we had certainly an interesting journey with the money itself. Yeah. So basically the best way to break it down is that as of right now, the currency exchange is about... Uh, 93 yen to a one US dollar. To make it as simple as possible for yourself, and this is very much true 20 years, maybe even like 10, 15, almost 20 years ago when I was buying stuff, Japanese stuff here in America, basically just assume, move the decimal point two places up and that's what it costs. So if it's a yeah. thousand yen, it's about $10. So a hundred yen store is a dollar store. Yeah, so uh, that was the best way we found to do it. Um, we found the coins are fun and interesting. I am actually in the process of making earrings with the fifty cent or the five. Are those five dollar coins? Well, they were, no, those 50, were fifty, 50, those were 50 cent. cents. Yeah, those are fifty cent coins. So yeah, um, so they're very pretty. So Japanese money comes when it comes to the coin form. They come in a one yen coin, which was the bane of existence in some cases because they weigh they they feel like plastic and they weigh next to nothing. Yeah, it's, it's basically a penny. Yeah, and then there was a. What we later learned was a five five yen coin, it's which not had, marked. it's not marked. It's all brass and it's got a hole through it, kind of like the fifty yen one does. Yeah. There's a ten yen coin um, that's very easy to get confused with the hundred yen coin. Right. And then you have your fifty yen coin, which is very silver, which is kind of a silver, silver with flowers, of silver a hole. flowers and a hole in it. So they may, in your case, they'll make great earrings and jewelry. Yeah. Um, and then the one yen coin, which was my favorite coin. Because um, one yen coins were basic, uh, one yen, and they have a 500 yen coin as well. Yeah, they so there's do. There's 100 and 500 yen coins, um, which I thought were awesome because, like, they're small and easy. They're like carrying a $1 bill, but you, we were carrying, some cases, like 10 to 15 of them in some cases. But bring a coin purse. Oh, yeah. Because, because we both were um, filling up little coin purses with coins. Because a lot of times when you get your change back, everything below... Um, the thousand yen yeah, was all in coins. Was all in coins. So everything below ten dollars um, was in coins. Oh yeah. So I mean, um, so yeah, we had little little coin purses, and those were right there next to my wallet, and they yeah. were very easy to use. Um, and in some cases, you could pay for a full thing with just coins. Like the number yeah. of times we went to the uh, mini marts to get food, water, and drinks, we could just pay with 
coins that we had collected throughout earlier in the day. So yeah. it was very, very, very useful. Um, do recommend that you um, keep track of your numbers. Yeah. So that everything gets read out as numbers so you can see it very easily what you have to pay. Um, but sometimes they just tell you how much it is and you have to try to like figure it out. So do try to like, their, their, their scheme for understanding numbers is very similar to ours. You just got to know what the length, you just got to get that logic in there. But even at worst, if you were just able to just do one through 10 or zero through nine, you should be okay. You should be okay because then it's, it's just June, just. Yeah. So, I mean, or even in general, if you were like paying for a large thing, it was like maybe like, you know, it was like three, like 321 yen, you know, it's like san ni each, you know, so you could yeah. like just count like three, you know, three, two, one, and they would, and that's enough to get by at the end yeah. of the day. Um, you know, I think maybe the Japanese would appreciate it if we counted their numbers the correct way, but nobody ever, understanding. Nobody told us otherwise. The attempt, yeah. I think, yeah, I think they appreciated more the attempt than anything else. Like, I think we, I think we, whenever we ordered something, we ordered that always want to order like one or two, but we always went like ni or each or san or yeah or she. Like we were trying at the bare minimum. We would, but we had to like point to the pictures. Yeah. Um. So yeah, bring a coin purse with you. Coins very bountiful, very useful. Vending machines always take them. Yep. And uh, vending machines, they sell beer. They sell coffee. They sell everything. They sell plum wine. Yes, sake. There's, there's. Some every... of them sell sell tobacco in them as well. And 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 I'm talking like out on the street. Just as you're walking by by the station. Yeah. Yeah. Full on full on advertisements on the side of it saying beer Asahi beer. Right, so no need to play, pay the, the bum to run in and get you a six-pack um, when you're 14 years old. Well, again, I mean, like, Japanese are typically ones to follow the rules. You don't want to... Yeah. You, again, like, very much Japan is very much a society of we don't want to... We don't want to make a problem for other people or we, right. or we don't want to bother other people at all. So, I mean, as a child, you, you know, like, you're told, yeah, you don't do that and they just don't do it. Yeah. Because you also, at the same time, as much as you don't want to be a problem, you don't want to be a problem child either. You don't want to be the kid that's, you know, known for being, you know, acting out and stuff like that, unless that's your intent. Yeah. So, but... So, so vending machines everywhere. Oh, so convenient, though. But everywhere. Well, you know what the other thing we found everywhere? Mini marts. Mini marts. Mini marts. And, and, um... Mini marts with full microwavable meals, like really beautiful, nice. That they'll food microwave meals. for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. So, um, I I wager that in Japan, only like two or three times out of the day do you actually two or three times out of the week do you actually cook food in your in your own kitchen. I think you're probably right. Assuming you have a big enough space for a kitchen, or you even have a kitchen. Yeah. Um. Because again, remember you don't want to you don't want to cause an issue for anybody else, and while you're in Japan, so you may not take up your apartment might be all of 300 square feet, and or maybe 400 square feet, and that's including the bathroom. So a nice, so a decent sized hotel room in in America, but yeah, you know, yeah, and that's all of your living space. Um, and I will say, you know, the Rio cans, one of the features that they had were microwaves. Yeah, almost all of them had a microwave or a refrigerator of some sort accessible that you, that you could use and had easier access to if you needed to. Um, yeah, no. So the mini marts were in 
Family Mart, Mini Mart, mm. Lawson's, 7-Eleven. Like, 7-Eleven, you, sh- you couldn't shake a stick without hitting a 7-Eleven. Well, pretty close. Well, 7-Eleven is now primarily owned by Japan. So, oh, okay. So by a Japanese firm, which is now the 7-Eleven Holdings. Um, but no, yeah, no, 7-Eleven's everywhere. And good food inside the 7-Eleven, too. All <coughs> very reasonably priced as well. Um, which we found our favorite peach water at. Um, we also found um, one of my favorite things were like they had the tall boys of Coke inside there, like a big tall boy that were, again, there's like a single dollar. As where if you bought the bottle, you'd pay like 125 yen. So those were very useful, I thought. Um, the peach water was awesome. The, the, I, I tried a couple of other flavors, not as good. I also like the that we could get like a two liter of water for about a buck every day. Like full full two liter refrigerated water every single day, um, which we did because we were walking a lot. Oh yeah, no, we were walking an awful lot here, and we were able to do quite a bit of that here. Um, yeah, no, and the two hundred yen and again, this two liter bottle of water, which we could just slap on my backpack. Yeah, super useful every single day. We probably drank at least one of those every day, and then yeah. I always had one an extra bottle left around in the Rio can that would have tried to fill up with water somewhere. Yeah. Because all the water was very drinkable. Well, yeah, and the Rio cans, most of them even had a water dispenser that you could use. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we and the important thing there is, I know we were there in, in September and it was hot. Oh, very warm. It was in the 90s and we were sweating quite a bit. And the water really did help. I mean, like, we, we sweated a lot of the water back out, but we would... We, the two of us, we probably drank about a liter and a half of water each, each day, day. at yeah. le- a minimum. And and I think that's a good thing at the end of the day, to stay very yeah. hydrated, especially as we were walking around an awful lot, too. Yeah. Um, but that brings us to another point here, because we had luggage. We had luggage. So I had I had read somewhere, um, this is this goes to don't believe everything you read. Mm-hmm. I read some somewhere that Japanese people did not appreciate roller luggage because it inconveniences others it gets in people's way and uh, it's just not polite to have you don't want to bother other people with right it's it's awkward on trains Mm -hmm. people trip over it and so we did backpacks i tried to do a sling that was a a 55 liter sling it did fit all my stuff but it was too heavy it just wasn't wasn't comfortable for you (laughs) at the end of the day if memory serves me I couldn't walk very far with it. Um, but thankfully, in Japan, what we later learned, even as we were just kind of walking around just on the first day, people are there's a lot of people with roller bags out there. Everywhere. And we saw saw a number of shops that were um, had it fully available to, um, to use. And we to bought buy. one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we bought a roller bag. Um, and what we found were that people were taking them back and forth to work, the smaller ones. So that was something where um, absolutely misinformed. Um, the roller bags are just fine. They do not trail them behind them is the one thing. Yeah, always, always to your side. Usually. Always to your side, even wa- walking parallel with you mm-hmm. um, is the thing. So you don't drag it behind you. You walk it alongside you. You can drag it behind you if it's not a very busy street, but the second it gets busy, you would want to carry it with you. And so that's one of those times in which you want one that has the multi-directional wheels, which a lot more are coming out with nowadays. Even 
me working in hotels, like I see a lot more of those more frequently now. Yeah. So, so that, that was the one caveat with that, but that for me was much easier. And at the end of the day, it actually helped us get stuff home. So what I might even recommend is that Mm -hmm. go to Japan, buy one and then use it to help transport stuff back home with you. Cause I, we found it useful because we brought sake and I had a bunch of boxed items that didn't obviously want to get damaged in our softer stuff. Um, but I think that actually worked out really well for us at the very end of the day. Yeah, so we bought a hard-sided piece for $50. Yeah, no, and it's about uh, 29 it's a 20, inches. It's a 24. It's a 24. Oh, I thought it was at least a 29. No, it's not that big. It, it's pretty It's pretty wide, though. Oh, we're, no, yeah. we're, we're sitting here looking at it. It's a very nice box, though, and it has a nice locking system on it, too. Um, I had a traditional <coughs> um, uh, backpacker's backpack, which for me... Um, considering that I brought about, um, including the clothes I was currently wearing, about six days in total worth of clothing on me, but I was only ever packing about five of that. Um, and a lot of those were just like, uh, some of that was like three days worth of, of cha- four days in total worth of pants, six days worth of shirts and socks for every single day. Um, uh, I actually had plenty of extra room still available in, in mine if I absolutely needed. Yeah, it. so that's a six, 65 liter backpack. And I will say these, these are Code Epoxy, mm-hmm. which is a, um, a brand that works with indigenous people um, doing job training. Yeah, so a very um, cool so, company. So um, their, their logo is Gear for Good. And we had, um, we each had backpacks that were theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, small backpacks. Yes. So day packs that were theirs. And then my sling was theirs. You also brought the sling, which you also packed stuff in to get home. Yep. Because you can check two bags um, coming home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then the big, you had the big backpack. Yeah. And I, I found the backpack very useful. I obviously didn't fill all the spaces up. I imagine if I were a, of the female variety, I might have more stuff in there, maybe like more shoes and other stuff like that, maybe. Well, even um, in the in this in the fifty-five liter sling, I was able to get three pairs of shoes. Your shoes and different like outfits. I had maybe. all my clothes, and and I, much like you, I had um, four pairs of pants, mm-hmm. um, a combination of capris and, and two long two long pants, two capris, um, and then I had um, seven t-shirts. Yeah. So. Um, and a, a waterproof jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely need the waterproof jacket because it, it did rain. It rained twice, but I mean, like, yeah. it wasn't like a torrential downpour. It wasn't heavy. Right? It no, wasn't, it wasn't heavy. that bad. But again, you never know what'll come up against you. But but I mean, I had I had you know a, a week's worth of underwear and mm-hmm. and yeah. was able to get that all in too. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no. Again, I. I worry that the, I think actually at the end of the day, the backpack might have been a little bit more of a struggle for, especially people on the train, because I know I took up a lot more space with it on in a lot of yeah. cases. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if I had the option between the backpack or a roller bag, I mean, like either one is perfectly doable at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely found that to be pretty, pretty useful uh, tools for that. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about the restaurants we uh, ate at? Okay. So we had, we had everything Pheno- well we had phenomenal luck with restaurants though and you with you mostly doing the choosing you did a wonderful job basically saw basically anything that looked good I, we ate at well but um, we ate at a number of places that had um, really a count- counter service very very small yeah very, very, small, very small maybe a dozen seats if that I mean I don't think I've ever seen in the US a restaurant that small um, no and, and and mind you like when we say small like 
remember how we were describing a, a hotel room of like maybe like four hundred square feet with the bathroom? That's the size of the kit. That's the size of the including entire restaurant, the including the kitchen, which takes up half that space. So yeah, it's um, so like the bar. I mean, mm-hmm. we, how many times do we eat at a bar? Probably at least ha- almost half. Almost it felt yeah, like. must have half the time. Yeah. I mean, we did it with the ramen, the Mexican food, the. Uh, tonkatsu. Um, we also did it um, the second in, night we were there in Kyoto. Yeah, we did it quite a, quite, quite often. A few, yeah, um, which was really cool at the those, end. Of the those were the best meals. Oh, absolutely. But ever, but there's like probably about like a billion restaurants in Japan, just all tiny little itty bitty restaurants. We kind of avoided chains. Oh, we. De- I mean, we definitely avoided chains. I think the largest one we ate at was the one where we had the pasta in Namiya, yeah. and then yeah. another one where we had. Um, the place where you got the little tickets. Uh, yeah, the little tickets in one of them had like it had like probably about like maybe thirty thirty five seats in it. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, but that also brings us to a good point here: the little ticket system. Yeah, some restaurants basically you pay for your meal up front, and I, we never paid a tip on anything. They won't take right. a tip. That's not that's not acceptable to do there. But but a lot of the time we paid for the meal up front. Yeah, we paid a lot for the meal up front. Um, in some cases where. Uh, the ramen, the one day we, another day we ate in Osaka, um, which I think is the day we came back from Nara, I think. Uh-huh. Because um, we didn't have the hole in the wall, the hole in the wall tonkatsu, I think, until the last day. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, we didn't have that until we came back from the car festival. Yeah. Um, which I still tell people to this day. It's yeah, it was so, so awesome. Um, so, um but yeah, some of the restaurants we went to, you had to buy a ticket beforehand, and then you gave the ticket to a waitress or the chef, and then they cooked your food from there. They would not take so they, orders. So the, yeah, they weren't taking orders. No. You were buying your, your ticket was the order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, the one in Osaka at least had an English variation on it, so that was like super useful. Yeah. Um, the one in Tokyo, though, when we went to go get the ramen, had like no English version and, and he spoke no English. He finally got somebody to help us. Oh, finally! I think finally somebody came back. Like oh, maybe yeah. she had been on break or something. But um, no, no English language skills and no ability to, uh, unless with very limited Japanese skills. And, and a lot of the times, it, it the chef is the person also taking your order. I mean, he it, it's oh yeah, it's no. a two it's a two person shop. Two maybe three people at yeah. most if it's got a second floor, which they go yeah. up to, to to drop food off up there too. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, no. A lot of the restaurants very cool. Um, oh, first day with the melon bread. You see, so you knew about melon bread. I didn't know about melon bread. We had melon bread a, a couple of times after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but soft. Well, okay. So let's back up. Soft serve. Soft serve ice cream is everywhere. Every every everywhere. Now, mind you, it's not like here in the states where like it's a giant machine that's like, constantly doing soft serve. In Japan, they're single-serve little things, and they put it into a machine, and then it spits it out like it would be like from a giant machine. Yeah, so so soft-serve in different flavors. Um, so our first day, mm-hmm. we had um, the opportunity to have... You knew about melon bread. I already knew about melon bread. Melon, ben, melon bread is the shit. Yeah, so, so I knew nothing. And you said, we have to do this, have to do this. And um, it was a place that put the soft-serve in the melon bread. Yeah, so they kind of cut a little bit in half like a sandwich. It was basically like eating like an ice, ice cream, cream sandwich. sandwich. Yeah, but instead of a cookie, it was melon bread. Oh, that was And so on awesome. a hot day, like that was just perfect, wasn't it? It was. That was awesome. What other snacks did you like while we were in Japan? Well, I mean, there were a lot of, a lot of things that were um, pretty tasty. First of all, 
the pastry in the, in the 7-Eleven, which I was getting pastry and, and yogurt mm-hmm. um, for, for breakfast, um, was was excellent. So well done. Um, it was not what 7-Eleven pastry is here. No. Um, it was so well done. So so that was that was one comment. Um, they do sandwiches differently. Oh, the packaging for the sandwiches. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that here in the states. Before. Well, I've seen the packaging, but but there's there's a different selection of a lot um, more variety. A lot more variety. Um, I had a coffee sandwich at one point, which is sort of like a tiramisu. Yep, I had a lot of BLTs and lettuce and lettuce and ham or something like that. A lot of cases, very good. Um, again, keep in mind that a lot of these places also have just meals you can take out as well, like full-on dinners. In a like nice little, little reheatable bu- tray. I seven mean, or eight bucks you take with you, or you can heat it up, and then by the time you get home, it's cool. By it's cooled off enough that ready you can to just eat. eat yeah. Um, yeah. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, in terms of, of snacks, of course, we got the the ten different flavors of Kit Kats. Yeah. Um, but not a lot of candy. Well, I mean, I think I think a lot of the candy that they had was a lot of their traditional sweets, which it's like a bean curd almost. Like that's true for me. That's not my cup of tea. At the end of the day, I I, I would. It's I think, a different texture thing. Yeah, like, and I'm a big texture eater. At the end of the day, and when I go to eat something, I want to be able to like play with it in my mouth. This would just kind of like dissolve in my mouth and like fall apart immediately. It was just like. But dessert's not really kind of a big thing there. No, no, but, it's really but not. then but then snack foods are. No, yeah, snack foods are. Like, we saw a lot of places that just had candy bars and stuff like that. A number of just just basic candy shops and things like that um, uh, that were those, there. Those little flat cookies, which are actually quite savory. Yes. Those were good. Um, we didn't actually do a lot of snacking, though. We did... No. We tried a lot of... We tried some drinks whenever we had the chance we did, to. Like, yeah. We tried... Uh, we tried a, their Pepsi Clear, which they, they, called, they called Pepsi Next. Mm-hmm. Not a fan of that. Because it wasn't because it drank it felt like I was wasn't really drinking something but I knew I was drinking something. Yeah, it was kind of it had kind of an odd flavor to it, like uh, like an almost non-existent flavor. They're not big on sodas though. No, they're really not actually. I yeah. mean, like with the exception of like I will say beer because I will have a cold one. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, I had a little bit here and there too. Yeah. So um, they have two main brands of beer, but then mm-hmm. they do have foreign beer uh, available as well. We saw somebody um, ordering a Corona. Mm-hmm. Um, Thankfully in the Mexican restaurant. Yeah. But I saw Heineken being served in a couple of places too. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack the, Daniels is apparently a big thing. Like if you can, con- like if you can do a shot of Jack Daniels, you're like, because there's apparently like this myth and legend about Jack Daniels in Japan. So, which would have been funny because I can do a shot of Jack Daniels. Yeah. That, that's yeah. that's not the end of the world for me, but like a lot of that beer again for me, I'm not a climatized beer person. Like I'm like there's I think there was maybe one or two which didn't have this strong aftertaste to it that was like okay for me at the end of the day. Like I would drink that if I if I knew what it was. Yeah. So so um I no light beer served. I didn't see any light beer served. No. Um, it was all more of a, a sort of an ale type. Mm-hmm. Um, although not not real heavy. Oh, and if you go to Japan, if you're into soda like I am, they don't have a diet soda there at all. They call it zero. So yeah. a Coke Zero is basically a diet Coke at the end of the day. 
Well, and we have some some zero products here, but they don't they taste like, they they don't, the same. They don't, yeah. yeah, they don't quite taste the same. There's something different about them, but <clears throat> there but is. Yeah, just as just as a like thought bubble here. Like, yeah, um, try the flavored waters. Try the flavored waters. Flavored waters were great. Um, pastry sold sold broadly everywhere, mm-hmm. um, including donuts. We even saw cosmic donuts, which really looked like they were tie dyed. Oh yeah, no, very cool tie dyeing. Um, so, so we saw just a, a lot of places had had pastry, and there were quite a few pastry shops, more than you have here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that was kind of cool. I thought that was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, any other tips and tricks you think you might have? Well, I, I think just in general, um, and and because we're going to still go, we're still going to talk about like things we were told versus things we actually saw. Okay. Then then we'll go then then we'll so let's go dive into that. Onto that. So let's yeah so. We, again, obviously we did a lot of um, studying kind of before that because we kind of wanted to know what we were getting into um, when we got there. And um, one of the things, um, again, I'll say, and we've talked about it, obviously the language, bar- the lang- language barrier was clearly an issue. We highly recommend taking some sort of class beforehand or we, we did Pim- of, We did Pimsleur uh, yes, CDs. Yes, do something at bare minimum because that did come in very handy. Yeah, at least be able to count. Yeah. Um, I was saying, um, excuse me, and assuming my son all the time, and no, I'd never heard anybody else say that once. We See, got, and we got the impression that was like a common thing that everyone said for any particular reason. Yeah. So, so you know, a, a number of the the uh, things I'd viewed on YouTube said said, oh, you have to see me, my son. You're going to be saying that all the time. And we, we didn't hear it. We used it, but we didn't we hear it. Never heard it. And and and, and, and see me, my son is excuse me. It's like, excuse me, or I'm sorry. Like in, You do it, say it when you're getting off the trains. Yes. And people will move for you. Yeah. We heard, we heard it very infrequently, if yeah. almost never. Yeah. So that was one of those things there. Oh, it is also how you call a waiter. Yes, because it's, excuse me, excuse me. Yeah. Very much like, uh, or wakarimasu, which is, yeah. I understand. It's also, I know, or yeah. yes, I understand, or... I understand what you're talking about. Like, yeah. So that yeah. a lot of the Got words it. get yeah. yeah. So a lot of the words get used fairly frequently for a lot of stuff. Yeah. It, but it makes sense when you think about it how we use our words the same way as well. Yeah. You know. So excuse me might be oh I'm sorry I don't mean to be in your way or I'm sorry I did that or excuse me I need you to come over here so yeah. I can need your attention. So yeah. That makes perfect sense here. Um, what did you see that you were told that you didn't quite expect? Okay. So I was told that. Tattoos were an issue, and I was concerned about that with the public bath because I, I do have one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was also told that colored hair was an issue. And even one of the YouTube videos was a dialogue between two young people who talked about having to um, recolor their hair black to keep their jobs. Um, so so I, th- I was surprised. If I got anything, I got in a couple of situations... Um, where somebody thought Kawhi, um thought it was cute. Oh, Kawhi. Yep. Kawhi. Um, because I have some blue and some pink underneath. Um, it's not real visible, but it's there. Yep. Um, neither one of those were issues, even in the very conservative hotel with all the older women. Nobody cared. Nobody nobody really cared at all. Nobody cared. No. And I think that's, I think that's, <laughs> um, again, we came to the tattoos here. I got told that as well, that. Um, some places will not allow you in there if you have a lot of tattoos. And the first place we went to saw a guy with like just covered in tattoos and 
no real issue at all when he was in the public bath. So clearly he was in the hotel with no real issue at all. I mean, like, and it's because they thought that the tattoos were associated with the Yakuza. Yeah, but the Yakuza have done a lot better job. The, like much like the American, like the American mafia here at the end of the yeah. day, which is the best example to compare the Yakuza with. Like they're very much the aware of the notion here that, like, you know what? We don't need to stand out that much anymore because we're just painting a huge spotlight on us. Like it used to be a custom where, like, if you did something wrong, you had part of your finger chopped off. Yeah. And they very much have moved away from that now because obviously that's a big telltale saying that, oh, that guy's in, that guy's a yakuza. Let's follow him and watch him what he does. You know, like that's and obviously in a more civilized sort of time where we have a lot of that tracking and a lot of people being very visible understand and seeing a lot of stuff here and people knowing what the telltale signs are you know now it's very much the notion that, like you don't want to advertise what you are if you don't have to well but another comment i would make would would be that that um as you moved north because we started in osaka which is at the south and mm-hmm. then kyoto um but as you moved north it seemed to get more liberal Oh, yeah, I can see that very much. It got a lot more... The pace also speeded up quite a bit. Oh, especially in Tokyo. Like, yeah. Like, but again, in Tokyo, we saw a number of people with different colored hair. It was almost yeah. almost a norm, which kind of reminds me now that when I see a lot of like Japanese animation, you see a lot of like blues, Blue green, purse, yeah. red. Like, and you think, like, well, they're not... In, in a lot of cases, the blues, reds, purples, and other colors like that are kind of meant to denote different shades of black hair, much in the same way, like green, orange, blonde. There's also really kind of to denote kind of like different shades of brown in hair as well. Right. Which is the same way with like red is. In Japan, it was like, and I knew that going into Japan and I saw a lot of people in Japan with like different colored hair just like walking by. And I was like, oh, okay, well, apparently it's not that huge of an issue. Yeah, not a big issue. No. Then, then, there's, then there's the flip side of things that are. Um, in Japan, first off, a lot of the women do wear dresses, dresses and skirts. Yep, very and frequent. not and not short. No, very much covering like to the knee, if not below. Oh yeah, um, but the other thing is they do not show cleavage. So oh. if you're going to Japan in in your woman, I would say really dress conservatively um, on top. Yeah, yeah, I could totally agree with that. Never, never saw anybody with like short. I mean, I saw a couple girls with like short shorts. Yeah. But the, even then, they were still, like, kind of, like, mid-thighs, even. Longer than you'd... I mean, you'd see much shorter, much more out there here. Not a lot of spaghetti t- straps at all. Re- you rarely actually saw collarbones. I mean, really... Yeah, we we, we mentioned that a yeah, couple, couple times, times when we were, we, we were noticing that on trains. Um, the women were dressed. Very practical shoes. Admire that. Oh, yeah. That's another thing we got to say if you're going to Japan. Um, we got the impression that we take your shoes on and off in a lot of places. That was not always the case in a lot of days. Like, I don't think we ever even took off our shoes until we got to Kyoto, even. Yeah, I mean, I think when we were in Osaka, we went, oh, well, that was a bunch of... Because because you got told, you know, bring socks, wear shoes with socks, but wear we, shoes you can slip on and off. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so with shoes with socks, that means no sandals. Um, and I thought, oh, that was a bunch of bull. And then we got to Kyoto where you really did. I mean, even in the Starbucks, you took off your, your shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think it, when we were going to shrines, depending on, on um, or inside temples. Oh, definitely inside temples. Uh, we were walking kind of around shrines or 
um, or into some of the other buildings like the castle. I think we had to take our did we? I, I don't think we had to take our shoes off in. Not in the castle. So not where you went upstairs. No, not upstairs. No. Yeah. Um, but but in in a lot of the the shrines where you were staying on a single floor, you were you were taking off your shoes. They uh, either had cubbies or more frequently, we found they actually handed you a plastic bag. Yeah. And you put your shoes in the plastic bag and carried them. That was very much true of. Uh, some pla- some parts of Nara as well. Not not a great deal of it, but a lot of the some one or two of the museums I think made us take our shoes shoes off. off yeah. yeah, but it was but not it very was common. Not very common. Um, so so yeah, the socks are a, are a thing. If you wanted to wear sandals, you could just bring a pair of socks though in a purse. Yeah, um, or, or in a bag, like flip like flip flop kinds. Yeah. Um, I. I brought what were what are what we probably would conservatively call skater shoes because I thought those were very easy to get on and off. And I've always had good I've always had good flavor walking around them for long periods of time. Um, but they're not they're very loose um, on my feet because they're designed to be flipped on and off as easy. Um, and while I didn't find those uncomfortable after a certain point, like you know, I really just wished I brought my tennis shoes with me. Yeah, which would have been I think a whole lot more comfortable and. At the end of the day, like pulling them on and off, I think would have been much easier, even if I had to lace them up. So, don't be afraid to bring shoes that lace up, uh, up and up at all. Or, or attach. I mean, it, this isn't an airport. Um, and also I think comfortable socks. Comfortable socks. Nice thick socks if you have. Nice them. thick socks. Um, I think um, I had I had um, some some thinner slip-ons, but I I knew they they were thinner, and I was wearing them doubled up, and that worked. Um, I don't think either of us came back without blisters. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we were walking a lot, a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. And the other thing to remember is we were walking on cobbled streets at times, cobbled sidewalks at times, dirt roads, dirt roads. Um, you know, a lot of sort of tiled sidewalks, mm-hmm. um, and so a lot of uneven surfaces. Yes. Um, so really, um, good shoes. Good a, shoes. Just good yeah. shoes in general, like a good pair of. A good pair of just like running shoes. Again, like I again, I have a pair of running shoes, or even just boots might be even more comfortable even then, especially if you're doing a lot of hiking up and down stuff. So, again, we I, we highly recommend comfortable shoes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what other kind of myths or advice did you get that you did not ring true at all? Um, I think that that the food would be very spicy, and a lot of it would be um, fish. Yeah. Like I got the impression going to Japan that I was going to be eating a lot of fish. I think fish we, was always an option. Fish was always an option, but rarely did we ever actually eat fish. We ate a lot more pork, chicken, and beef in a lot more cases. Yeah. I think actually, I mean, I don't think there were any day. I think the only real day that we started eating fish was definitely in, um, definitely at Mount Fuji. Yeah. Um, I think we had. Um, the uh, we had like a seafood tempura. Um, we were in Tokyo after Tokyo right. after Disney yeah. Sea. Um, uh, but even then, we didn't eat a whole lot of fish. Yeah, we didn't. Fish was always an option, but there were other options there too. Lots of rice. We always ate rice. Miso, miso, miso soup. Yeah, we, we always had rice as well. It was almost yeah. always a part of the meal. Yep. Um, but but I mean, also under the impression, I think that there were. Uh, wasn't as much variety to Japanese food as there is. There's a tremendous oh my goodness. variety. Well, again, we never had the same thing twice, yeah. ever. Yeah, the, the whole trip. Um, so tremendous variety. Um, in food, and very good, very excellent food. I, I, I mean, it, 
it makes me kind of want to go back and watch Iron Chef to see what they make in Iron Chef because, like, there's a lot of food in Japan to eat. And even if you just do, like, the street food kind of stuff here, there's a lot of it to there, too. That is very... A lot of street food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was no problem with the street food. I love the street food. No, the street we'd, food we'd was excellent. We'd yeah. do, absolutely do it again. Yeah. I almost waited. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't think people could actually, you might even get an apartment that doesn't have a kitchen just so you can eat out every single day. I'm sure there's got to be some sort of cost-benefit analysis to that, the eating well, out. Well, I, I think, I think the, you know, their idea of a kitchen and our idea of a kitchen are different things. Oh, very different. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Trying to think what so, else. Trying to think what else here might be interesting topics. That I've read well, about. I mean, other other things to to keep in mind. Um, you know, I'm five ten. Mm-hmm. You're I'm six, six three. three. Yeah. So um, we were tall. You have problems with doorways. Some doorways I had problems with. Yes. I didn't have problems with doorways, but but um, I'm quite blonde, and and so we did get noticed. Oh, we we. I don't want to say we stuck out like a sore thumb. We were noticeable. But we were very, we were quite noticeable. I mean, like, and and really, until we got to Tokyo, we weren't seeing very many tourists, even in even in Fuji, really, or, or even in Osaka. Like, we saw a couple here and there, but I don't think we saw any other foreigners at the Kishiwada Festival at all. A, a couple, but very few. Very, very, yeah, very, very, few. very infrequent. And that's people missing out because that oh, was yeah. that was fan- that was fabulous. Um, but as a whole, um, I was I expected because we were going tourist places, Osaka, Kyoto. You'd uh, see a lot more tourists there. We, yeah, we just did, it might also just be the off season for when tourists was there, which was kind of the intentional as well. Like I didn't want to go during August, which I knew was just going to be blistering hot. But yeah. the summertime would probably be the good time to go to for a trip, and especially if you're from the states, because that's when a lot of school gets out and you have yeah. the huge amount of break. Um, one thing, if we go back to women's fashion or just fashion in general, a lot of browns, blacks, whites, and navies. Not a lot of bright colors oh, at all. Yeah, I rare. I mean, I it's think it's very conservative. I, I think in a lot of cases you were the most colorful person on that train, and that would have been just because you had a yellow, yellow. and white striped uh, shirt. And oh, talk about the earrings the one day. Oh, yeah. And that so was I, actually at Kishiwada, wasn't it? That was at Kishiwada, Yeah. So I have I have um, some black and white striped earrings that absolutely match a black and white striped T-shirt, and I had black pants on. And um, the women were all going crazy over the uh, matching earrings, the matching striped earrings. Yeah, like like yeah. it was planned almost. Like it, like it might have been. But no, yeah. Again, I rarely, I, I don't think I ever saw anybody with different with, um, like even just a red shirt. Yeah. And the only time I saw that would have been when we were in Tokyo where people were geared up for the rugby matches and were wearing maybe the jersey at one point. But even then, I didn't see a lot of people wearing the jersey. Um, again, a lot of very muted colors in, in, in fashion. Yeah, but, but on the flip side, lots of lots of fashion. So very trendy, very Tony um, upscale. Mm-hmm. A lot, of, um, a lot of a lot of accents, so like ruffles and lace and partly finish, see-through finishes. Sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the the um, tulle skirt over a solid, so lots of sheer over solid skirts. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of gathered skirts. Lots of like lace on like shoulders around the collarbone and stuff. Like, yeah. Or even in some cases, you might. Have, I, I saw one woman that had um, that had what looked like a like a button up dress shirt blouse. Uh huh. But then from like basically from like where the end of the cleavage would end and all the way up was all like just like uh, like a semi-see-through material so you yeah. can see 
all of her collarbone. Um, she was being risque. Ooh. Well, and, okay, so this brings up another thing. Um, I have pierced ears, and, mm -hmm. and really most women in the United States have pierced ears. It's, it's just, almost like a rite of passage. Yeah, um, and there I, I was having problems finding pierced earrings. What few earrings, because most women don't wear them, mm -hmm. um, what few earrings I was finding were, were clipped back. I mean, when I wanted to buy a pair of earrings, um, the, the woman very nicely um, changed them out for me, physically took off the, the clip and put on a, uh, an ear wire. Um, so they don't wear earrings and Not no gauges. I didn't see a single gauge ear oh, the I whole time. No, nah, that, that part, that one I wasn't not expecting. Gauges are not a very common thing in Japan. You'd think that they might be, but they're not. They're not. And, and, and no nose rings and, or, uh, pierced, pierced noses. Nope. Again, very, very uncommon. Um, yeah. that would make you stand out and you yeah. don't want to stand out in Japan. Yeah. So, um, so I'm trying to think what else. Um, garbage cans are a fleeting thing in Japan. I think they're rare. I can't find them. I, I think I think they're they're slowly migrating to the United States because we 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 had a number of cases where we had garbage and we really wanted to throw it away, but we just had to hold on to it because there's not a garbage can anywhere. But you don't. But but on the flip side, there's like no garbage on the street. None. No, none. Absolutely, almost none at all. What, and, and, and what or, or if there is, or if there is some, it's like a cigarette butt or like a loose wrapper or something. It was very infrequent. Yeah, um, you know, to go along with that, one of the things I um, noticed really was how sort of maintenance workers, um, when you saw them, were treated and accorded, and I really thought that that their positions were treated as though they were important, and the people performing them. We're performing them as though they were important. Mm -hmm. There was kind of an overall seeking of excellence vibe that you got in in the strangest of places. And again, I mean, that kind of goes back to Japanese culture in general. I mean, like people who work in professions are expected to bring their a gate with them. They're they're expected to give a hundred and ten percent. So them doing anything extra that above and beyond what they're normally capable of is why you don't tip because like they're not they're always giving 110 percent they're not doing anything new or special and at all and everybody was always like whenever we asked a question they were very excited to talk to us like uh, or very excited to like oh you're shopping with us excellent let's help you or yeah. can we help you find anything like we we went to go get um i think we remember our last day in um kyoto when we went to the studio park which was so cool at the end of the day yeah yeah um that we um when we got done with the with the Tenruji Temple, and we went back down the path, and we got to the um, we were going to the train stop, we stopped at a place that had like these rice that had the seasoning on it. Yeah. And we thought that was really cool, and they were like, "Well, we have some if you'd like to buy." It. We were like, "Oh yes, oh yes, let me show you, let me show you all the rice stuff we have here." And everybody was kind of like that at a certain point too. Yeah. Like a lot of places were very excited to want to help you find something if you were if you were trying to shop there and. The, the key the place where we got um the hoppy jackets at yeah like she was very excited to show us all these different ones and very quick to show to help us out yeah very very nice and kind as well everyone was very and that was the one thing i was i was always expecting like i knew japanese people were very kind of very subdued whenever we were talking with people or whenever we were having conversations or 
meeting with people. Everyone was very excited to almost meet and see us. Well, and, and one of my favorite examples of that was actually at the... In the, Nara with the children, I imagine. Well, the, you know, that was that was very cool because a group of kids, they probably fourth, fifth graders. I would say maybe there. fourth or fifth or fifth grade. They all Line, had like lined big up, yellow tats. Yeah, uh, lined up to talk to us. But um, actually in the... the um, Foreign Visitors Office. Oh at yes, the in cart Kish, at, the, yeah. at the Kishiwada Cart Festival. Yeah, they were all sorts of excited, and and really they had everything set up um, to to take your picture in, in a traditional hoppy. And, and mind you, again, like had it been one of these things where like if we, because we went straight forward for the covered area, which was a godsend. It really yeah. was the best thing in the world. But had we gone to the left, like we would have eventually stumbled upon that thing, and we would have learned a lot more real quick much much sooner but i think yeah. if we didn't get to that covered area first we would have it never been done. gone yeah, yeah th those those places would have been like would have been like gone into the wind yeah and that was the thing we just would have baked in the sun um, yeah oh absolutely um oh shopping shopping one thing i want to say about shopping here always spend 50 bucks oh okay this has to do with the tax so they do have like a a, a lot of duty free places and a lot of places that well, and will taxes eight or nine percent. Oh yeah, depending on what city you're in. Um, so there is a value added tax, and um, and if you're spending fifty dollars, then it can be waived. They'll ask for your passport, so always have your passport with you. And they need the actual passport because what they need to do is write the number, they fill out a form, so they yeah, explain they're, they're, why they're not paying those taxes. Yeah, so they're keeping that. a log. And they have to have the number that was stamped on your entry stamp. Yes, so they can track it. Yeah. So you do, so in order to get the tax-free benefit, you do have to have your passport with you. They will staple those receipts. I got home and unstapled all those receipts. Oh, so many receipts in mine, too. Yeah. Um, they will staple the receipts onto your passport. Right, if they can't staple it, they'll tape it. They'll tape it, yep. Um, and, and I have sort of a page problem in my, my passport because I'm running out of pages, so they're having problems finding places to put things. Mm -hmm. but, um, but, yeah, so if you spend $50. In m most uh, of the places, we're always at least $50, and you get you get as a tax-free. I, I, I think the rule is $50 was my impression. Or 5,000 yen. 5,000, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I typically have no problem getting there, so... No, um, we, and and, and, and mind that. you, we came back with, um, we went with, with two pieces of luggage and, and came back with five. Yeah. Um, so just as a, as a hint, mm -hmm. um, because I, I came back with a zip out duffel that I was carrying on the plane when, when going, all I have was and a tote bag. And I had a similar duffel like that, that I hid in my original backpack with the intention of pulling that out later on to yeah. pack stuff into it. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, so we we came back with stuff, good stuff. Oh no, absolutely! And again, um, we our our intent was not to kind of load up with stuff along the way. Uh, I think the only thing I ever bought along the way was my deer little stuffy from little stuffed animal from, from Nara from Nara, just because like like it was really cute. Well, like, it was Nara. It was Nara. It was Nara. I actually um, we came across in Nagoya a um, a swap meet. Oh, the, 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 well, yeah, that was really yeah. cool. It was right in front of the temple. Right in front of a temple. And they had and, a whole bunch of stuff there, too. Oh, my gosh. If, if, we, if we had been in Tokyo and I wasn't afraid of having to cart that stuff to two more cities, because we still had Mount Fuji in, in Tokyo to go. Oh, yeah. Um, like you you, you I'd, might I'd have gone to town there. I might have gone to town there. Because they had, cause they had a little bit of everything. They had... They, had, they were they antiques. Had they were... Yukatas, they had yeah. 
Some guy had, was Some selling beautiful model, train, pottery. model yeah. trains. I saw a couple Ultraman and Common Riders toys there. Um, yeah, no, there was a gamut of a little bit of everything. It was a very cool little swap meeting. We actually met some people there that were, were doing, like, one I think was teaching at an art school, and another one was doing, like, um, was working at, like, some sort of bigger company or something, I think. Well, or... Nuguya is a, um, a very um, industrial town with lots of businesses. Yes. And so um, there is an American school there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so um, one of them was working at the American school, but... Um, that was an awesome uh, little little like flea market. Oh yeah, no, very very cool. Um, oh, something I will bring up: when you are traveling to different places and you're getting started for the day. So our example, Nagoya. Uh, Go early. Tokyo, well, Tokyo and yeah. Kyoto, they have lockers at the train station. Oh yeah. Take advantage of that. So even we, in Mount Fuji, we found one that we were able to just barely fit all of our stuff in. Both both pieces of luggage in a single locker. Oh yeah, no, and it was, and again, I mean, like you can use your IC card to do it too. It was awesome. Yeah, so we use lockers um, actually in Kyoto, in Tokyo, Nagoya. Yeah, so we use we use the lockers like day one, a number of the places where we went. Yeah, and and a lot of that was because we got there early in the morning, like maybe like not ten o'clock in the morning or so. And then went out and did stuff, and then obviously we didn't come back till later um, in the evening to go to our hotel at the end of the day. So, and and this brings up a good point. Um, when I was mentioning a couple of minutes ago, start early. Um, I, one of the surprises for me was that a lot of things closed at what I thought was a pretty early hour. Um, a lot of things closed at four, closed at four thirty, um, and so. Um, if you didn't get there by you know, by a certain time, you were never yeah. Because we missed out on seeing the um, Kyoto Imperial Palace and yeah. And again, um, had we known that it closed that early, we might have actually changed changed our intentions on that day. Yeah. So, um, so we 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 discovered in a number of places that things close early. I mean, here, you wouldn't expect a museum to close before five or six. Mm-hmm. And so, um, sort of plan what you're going to do starting early in the day so that you can and 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 conversely some things don't open till 10 either yeah and that was the impression i got so again i was following a blog um from a company that i watch a lot of uh, material for um and they were basically telling me he's like yeah nothing opens up before like 10 or 11 o'clock it's a city of this guy who doesn't like to wake up until like 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning to do stuff then either um but we saw that a lot of cases, like we would get up and start moving around at eight o'clock, nothing was open. But yeah, that was a lot true. of restaurants and shops. But that's also kind of understandable. Like if you know your business is not going to be there till like eleven or noon, like you're going to wait. And especially if your restaurant doesn't open up until like the evening for dinner, which was probably a lot of restaurants lot of them, there. Yeah. Then yeah, you were not going to be there early too. Or you were never going to show that you were actually physically there at all. You might mislead people if you were open or not. Yeah. Yeah, so so and you know I, I found timing um, for some things was was a little off that way. Mm-hmm. Um, buses it, were easy to use. Um, trains they were, were very easy, easy to, use, to use. Yeah, buses. Bus. We we didn't mention buses take IC cards as well. Oh yes, um, and a lot of the ones we rode on were pay one time and then get off. Yeah. Or get on and then pay when you get off. It was a flat amount. Yeah. Very yeah. easy to use. Yeah, very easy to use. So we um, and and really, 
um, and in Kyoto, buses were kind of the way to go. Well, yeah, because we had the trains there, and then um, for for especially when we started visiting a lot of the temples and stuff, like it was just much easier to just take the buses to and from instead of having to trek all the way to a station in hopes that our station would get us back to where we wanted to go. And I don't think we ever waited more than, than five or six minutes for a bus. No. I mean, the other option you could do as well is taxi. Um, but those are... Taxi, there is like some ride share services. They don't have an Uber, but they have something similar to that there. Because um, it's always being offered whenever I was looking up through Google Maps. Uh-huh. I was always being offered like, oh, do you want to do a ride share? Or do you want to like get a ride? And we're like, don't really need to. Um, I was surprised at how small the cars were. That's true. And they they seem narrower than ours. Well, the streets are, I think, a lot more narrow. But yeah, a lot of the cars are very tiny. Yeah. Or thinner, at least. And also, we did not... And we would also see just, like, parking lots just randomly placed. It was always with a timer on it, too. And and odd parking. Our, some odd parking methods. We saw um, parking garages with little turntables because... Um, they go, like, up. And they went up, yeah. So, so like little car elevators. And mind you, like they were not like small ones that only went up like three or four floors. Like these went up like maybe like ten to twelve, maybe even fifteen flights up. Yeah. So, so, it's so like they, a we saw big some very elevator of that. Yeah. So when you're in cities or even even in the countryside, because we one saw of that in ones, Osaka. Yeah. Well, we saw one in Kishiwada that I thought was very interesting. Oh, that's too. true. We did see that one in Kishiwada yeah. too. So there were some interesting sort of elevated parking, not structures, but equipment. Yeah, so like you would park underneath it and then it would lift up and then you could park another car, car underneath, underneath it. it. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that's a very, you know, creative solution to a problem where you have a very limited amount of space and there was, you know, like. Well, the street, and then the issue here is that the streets are too narrow. Um, houses are set right on the street and, and not set back. Nope. So there isn't a driveway and the streets are really too narrow to park on. Well, you could always at least fit two cars down the street. Now, everyone kind of has to get out of the way when that happens, but you could very... Yeah, you could you, fit a car in each direction, but you couldn't park a car. No, I think you could almost park a car in some of those streets, though some of the very okay. narrow streets. Not all yeah. of it, Not very common, at least. But like we saw a lot of like one-seater kind of trucks and cars that we that were very much on the side of the road That's in these true. little streets. And like you could still kind of walk around it, but it took up a fair amount of space. And, and so, so getting to modes of transportation and surprises, having been to Vietnam, I've, I've, I've done quite. I've been to to Taiwan, um, which had lots of motorbikes, not as many as Vietnam. Vietnam has like everything's a motorbike. Um, Very little motorbikes here in Japan. Yeah, and, and having having spent some time in Cambodia and and um, even Thailand, I was surprised because mo- motorcycles, as much as they may be. Um, built there because it's Suzuki and, and Yamaha and all these different names. Um, you didn't see that many. Yeah, I, what we did see, and by comparison, instead was bicycles. Lots of bicycles. Bicycles on the streets. No helmets. Umbrella holders. Umbra- yeah, yes, umbrella holders are people just outright holding the umbrella. Um, A lot of bikes with children on the back of them too. Yeah. Yeah, lots of lots of different actually types of, of uh, children carriers. You'd it'd be nothing to see a mom with with two or three kids on the bike, mm-hmm. um, but but not riding on the handlebars in in like bassinets or yeah. some sort of like carriage, so, some sort of some sort of child carrier on the bike. Um, and they were just always on the streets here too. Yeah, and no bells alerting you that they were coming. And no, mind you, they weren't. And going then we were on back. the sidewalk where you're walking as mm-hmm. well. 
Yeah, almost rarely, if ever, in the street. Yeah, so I mean, like you, like um, I remember when the, the first, first time it we, happened in Osaka when we first landed. And we were just very confused by it. It was like, why, yeah, why are they not in the street? This is so unsafe because they're just they're they're coming up right behind you. You don't hear them coming. Or they're coming right in front of you too, and they're not alerting you to the presence. Okay, but but then one of the things we didn't touch on at all are the little yellow enunciators on in the, the sidewalk. Oh yes. To let you know what side of the sidewalk oh, you should be on. Gone. So yeah, so um, again, obviously Japan, huge place. Lots. They of have them. a very big deal about, um, and that was even true for the trains. I mean, like we, we would have, we got to busy stations <clears> for trains where people were coming on and off of there. They had lines that kind of showed you lining up to the side of it, of the entrance, so that way people coming so off very would, organized. Just, would just come off. And hordes of people, but hordes organized. of people, beautiful organized chaos. Yeah. Like, every, nobody's telling you who to do, how to do what. Everyone's just lining up, just very patiently. Very cooperative. Just very cooperative. And they're just like, do, 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 do. And we didn't, and now I, what I had heard is that during re, really busy lines and rush hour, that trains will have people pushing people, they'll have train staff pushing people on the cars. Now, we never really saw, saw that, that, but we were in a lot of cars that were very busy. Very, well, very and we busy. did have the one incident, maybe we. this goes way back to the beginning of, of this particular conversation, but... Um, we'd had a, the one instant with, in which we got separated because I managed to get on the train and you didn't. didn't. And I didn't, yes. Yeah, and you got like your watch got on the train and, and you like, had to my, pull it my back. watch partly got in and then I quickly yanked it back out when I realized my arm had gotten caught. And we were yelling through the door, how many stops? Mm -hmm. I was yelling two stops. You're like, no, three stops. Yes. Um, so so two, two comments here. One, is whenever you're getting ready to get on or off a train, mm -hmm. know how many stops, or what the exit or, name or, is. or what the exit name is, um, so that whoever you're traveling with has that information in case that happens to you. Yeah, because I would, I was momentarily terrified. <laughs> I was super worried too, because every single time I got off of somewhere, I kind of peeked my head out a little bit to make sure that you weren't there at all, right? As quick as I could, and then I would jump right back onto the train. If which I could. which goes to number two, which is um, I I made up my mind very quickly that what I would do is is I understood you to say three stops. I would get off at the third stop and stand right at that. I mean, I the uh, same door. Stand at that same door, um, so that when you came, yeah, I would you wouldn't and have I found to be you looking pretty for quickly. me. Oh yeah, no, we found each other like, like that. You yeah. were on the next train. Yeah, and and we and and it we caught it each other pretty quickly. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a little bit of a terrifying incident because what the because the worst problem for me was that I had the broadband adapter, so I had access to the internet. You didn't have I one didn't with have you, it. Yeah. so like you would have to find some sort of place, and um, if you could find Wi-Fi there. Oh, yeah. also, mind you, JR trains have Wi-Fi on them. Yes. So very useful, very useful trick to have. There's no fee for it to get online. Yeah. Um, you just. Get on, you just kind of like give like your name and it's an a basic. Email it's it's like like being on a free airport Wi-Fi or on or like at a hotel Wi-Fi. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, very easy access for that. Um, so have a strategy for getting on and off off trains. Yes, um, if you're just going by yourself, I mean, like it doesn't think issue, it really matter. Yeah. But if you if you're going with other people, very important to make sure that you're traveling together with other people. Um, train seats. We saw a couple people sleeping on trains. Um, but we also saw places in which it was, you know, give up the seat for somebody elderly or people with children. Which didn't happen. 
No, we saw that. I saw that. A, we saw that a few times. Not co- not common though. Not common. A lot of times you had younger people sitting in the specified uh, special care seats. Yeah. Um, so, um, really, on uh, most of the, most of the trains, aside from from the trains that went a distance, mm-hmm. uh, most of the trains are sit anywhere if you can find it. If you can find it, and and probably seventy percent of the time we were standing. Yeah, and I, I don't really have a huge problem with standing not a, either. Yeah, not a problem. At the end of the day, like it would be really nice to find a ch- find one that had seats that we could find easily. But that, but again, depending on when we were getting back, it might have also been the busy, busy time to get it home. Sometimes that was an option. Sometimes it wasn't. Yeah, we. Um, I'm trying to think if we ever got to sit on a bus. I think I got to sit once on a bus. No, we sat on. Um, we sat on a bus before. Okay. In, in Kyoto, on our way, on our way back from the temples. Oh, okay. Yeah, we got to sit on the bus a couple times. Not okay. Not all the time, but we got to sit down a couple times on buses. Yeah. So, so the deal there being. Um, the public transportation is very Excellent. regular. Yeah, very regular. You could set a watch by it. Um, it's, it comes and goes. It's not going to wait for you. So if you're late for your bus, you're going to miss your bus. We'll just catch the next one. Yeah. Another one will be by, another bus will be by in another five, ten minutes worse. Yeah, you're not going to wait long. Trains will come by in another three or four minutes. Yeah. So like, so it, it's wonderful. But again, wear comfortable shoes because you have a pretty good odd standing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and for me, my th- I think my big takeaway from when I went to Japan and um, having a game plan every day was a very useful thing. Um, but kind of also just asking around to people because again, like we wouldn't have known some things if nobody had told us about it yeah. or if somebody had like recommended it to us. Like you know, as much as like that one that that one day we were, went to Akihabara, we saw sumo practice in the morning. As much as like I didn't really kind of want to go to old Tokyo, like. It was still I, I, very cool at the end of the day. I enjoyed it, um, yeah. and I and I absolutely fell in love with those carvings. Those were the nicest um, wood carvings of all. Yeah. I mean, the second only. I, I think they were first, and then the second one might have been what would have had to have been the carts. Yeah, yeah. But no, again, like the Japan and their wood carving, like wow, beautiful. Yeah. Um, no, and I think if you plan a trip to Japan, figure out the places you want to go and visit, and then look around to see what festivals are happening because. Um, I almost want to say if we had the option to go back to Kishiwada in the evening, like that would have been a hoot to go back in the evening. I would have been totally down for that, except I think by the time we got done, we were tired. Yeah, no, because we had we had been down there until about like one o'clock in the afternoon, and then we visited the Kishiwada Castle and then the Osaka Castle. Osaka. And by that point, by the time we got back, it was like six, seven o'clock, almost at night. But, and but, but yeah, it would have been neat to see those being pulled through the streets with the lanterns on it. It would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah. And they would have so, been running through the streets at that point. They would have been kind of like just meandering through them. And you might have gotten a closer look at some of the carving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really, I mean, as much as I, as much as I kind of beguiled it in initially, like I wish we had a day in which we dressed up. Yeah. So I, I was totally down to do that. I was a little um, more like it was a little bit like oh I don't know if I really want to do it because I it, again not a lot of stuff fit me at all and after we got through Mount Fuji and something fit me I was like oh okay well something clearly fits me so I, I'm yeah. a bigger guy and a lot of stuff doesn't and, fit and, me and and what and what we're referring to is that there are all sorts of costume rentals in Tokyo in every in every place we a went lot, a lot of Yukata rental places yeah I shouldn't say costume a lot of traditional wear um, rental Shops places. And, 
shops where you where you would get the yukata if you're a woman with the full uh, obi with the full obi with the bow on the back and listen yeah. to the the geta sandals you know like it's like we we saw a lot of it's people a, it's a thing oh yeah we saw a lot of people that were just like just oh look it's sunday yeah this is what we do on sundays and couples doing it mm-hmm. supple couple supple a lot of couples doing it actually yeah but that also goes back when we went to Tokyo, uh, Tokyo Disney Sea. We saw a lot of couples uh, cosplaying together too. So like, yeah, clearly, yeah, clearly, Aladdin because it's a recent movie. Yeah, lots a lot of, of Aladdin and Jasmines. But but lots of but lots of of everything actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I I would have been totally down to 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 uh, to dress up, and it actually was one of the things I enjoyed most about the hotel in Fuji. Yeah, was the, got the whole experience of. Um, of spending the the you know twenty four hours in a, in so, a yeah. so to end this here, if you went back to Japan, what else? What what new thing would you do when you were in Japan? Um, I think there I think there are um, some some I I would like to do the national parks a little bit. Okay, I understand there's some some beautiful national parks. Um, we didn't get real wildernessy. No, um, I'm not a real wildernessy person, but you know, like I can be coaxed into it when necessary. Yeah, so I think I would have, I would have liked that. Um, I really loved the bamboo forest and and maybe a little bit more, sort of hiking. I want to go back to Mount Fuji and I want to do that bicycle trip. I would, I would love to do that. I want, I want to get. I, I mean, like I would almost want to find a way to just do find a way to get two weeks off, and one of those weeks just. Bicycling around and backpacking around Mount Fuji. Yeah. Like, I think... I'm totally down for I that. I would totally I would totally find a way to do that if we could. Yeah. And then find something else to do in Japan while we were there. Yeah. Um, the islands are supposed to be really lovely. I, well, again, this, the further you go south, there's more beach country. I mean, like... Yeah. Tokyo... Japan's a lot like California, in a way. Like, like we were kind of in, like, the middle portion of it when we were in, like, Osaka and Kyoto. Um, and then, like... Tokyo is kind of like I think like the Bay Area, and then you can keep going up a little bit more north, and you get kind of more in Hokkaido, and you get a little bit more mountainy and wintry kind of feelings up there. Well, but I, I think one of the things that you did really well is I've talked to other people who have gone, and they started and ended in Tokyo, mm-hmm. and I was really glad. Um, you know, they went other places, but they started and ended in Tokyo, and I was really thankful to be able to sort of slide into it um osaka is much slower um more laid back i think yeah i think if i had the choice to live in japan i would probably live in either like kyoto or osaka osaka was very very friendly at the end of the day very laid back very kind of genteel kind of kind of felt like being in the suburbs yeah it was it was um it was san francisco to la yeah so San Francisco being a little more more chill and laid back, and mm-hmm. and L.A. being being a big capital, a, big a lot cap- of media and attention. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So I felt like um, as we worked our way north, things got you know sort of picked up steam, and mm-hmm. and it was a nice way to allow yourself to make the adjustment to the culture without having sort of the onrush that that Tokyo is, and I I really love Tokyo. But um, but it's a lot. Absolutely, it would be. It would be to me. It would be overwhelming to start there. I think so too. I think it is as busy and active as Tokyo is, and all the stuff you can do in Tokyo. 
I think because we started off in kind of a much more laid back thing that we got our own feel for it and we got to kind of ease into it. I think if yeah. we were um, expecting everything to be very high energy constantly while we were in Tokyo, in Tokyo and then kind of settle into kind of more slow kind of uh, meanderingness that was Nara and Osaka and Kyoto for the most part, yeah. so it, would, it would have been a very much a sort of a culture shift, I think, for us. Yeah, I just think I would have been overwhelmed. Excellent. So, finally, we're going to be done with... We're not talking about Japan anymore. anymore. We are moving on to new topics next week, and we're going to have a magical topic that we'll talk about next week. Okay. I'm already in the process of planning for it. Okay. Um, and so we're going to have all these tips and tricks. We're going to have it on our website at the nerdtutorialpodcast.com. Um, you can see a link on there as well the, from our facebook.com forward slash nerdtutorialpodcast as well. Um, and if you have ideas for future topics or anything you want to add to our conversation, you can always let me know on nerd underscore tutorial, and I'll be more than happy to share it again with all of our fans. Um, but on behalf of myself and my mom, thank you so much for indulging us on this long, almost two months worth of Japan Man, yeah. talk here. Um, and we'll move on to something else new if you don't want to keep hearing us talk about Japan now. Um, but we have, very, again, I have a very magical topic next week. Okay. I mean, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys again next time. Sign up. Bye.